0: Hello friends, welcome to episode 770 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Sunday evening into Monday morning. And today's podcast is going to have some exit interview takeaways from Friday where three players spoke to the media via Zoom in the afternoon and then later on in the show some audio um, that I recorded for the Locked On podcast, Network Locked On NBA, there's a uh, sort of a very early mock draft that we've been participating in as part of the, uh, the teams that are not going to Orlando, so that's coming up in the second half of the podcast. First, though, there's been lots of reporting over the weekend on the NBA Restart and some of the player pushback from Kyrie Irving and others. Um, Normally, I would take you through all the machinations there, but because the Hawks are not going to be going to the bubble, even if it happens, I'm not going to spend as much time on that, really a ton of time at all about all the machinations. If it happens, we'll probably talk some basketball when it gets going. Um and unless it impacts the Hawks, I'm gonna stay kind of away from it from now. But I do have an overarching thought, and that's basically that it's good for players, um, to have these these in-depth conversations right now about going to Orlando and all the factors in play. I was I was kind of surprised actually, the player association signed off as quickly as they did originally. So we'll see what happens and what the final resolution is. But uh, no big surprise to me that players are going to be voicing their opinions. There's lots of different and conflicting inter- interests within the player Association as well. So uh, we'll definitely be following that as it gets going. Um, also, the Hawks announced on Sunday that the organization is making Juneteenth a permanent paid company holiday for all employees. That's a good move, in my opinion. Uh, as part of the announcement, the Hawks organization says, That is encouraging its employees and partners to support the black community by providing resources to assist in patronizing black businesses, learning more about the culture, participating in local Juneteenth celebrations, and engaging in service opportunities that will help to foster equality for all." Um, not not in that same release, but uh, within a couple of hours of that, the Hawks also announced that Lloyd Pierce, the head coach, is set to join with the Georgia NAACP in a pre- peaceful march on Monday morning at 9 a.m., which is probably even when you're listening to this or after you're listening to this, shortly thereafter. But uh, the gathering is going to start at the Richard B. Russell Federal Building here in Atlanta and ending at the state capitol. Um, and the goal, um, at least according to the release, is, to, quote, to address the issues of criminal legal reform, voting rights, ending police brutality and repealing citizens arrest end quote um pierce is also set to speak at the um at the rally at some point and uh, by the way just good on the hawks again for continuing to lead and set a strong example i think lloyd's been great during this time and the whole the whole organization is as well so we'll be talking about that as we get going here um if anything else changes and I'll be, I'll be definitely on the lookout for what lloyd has to say on monday morning Okay, um, as for exit interviews, um, there's one more scheduled um, on, on Monday, and we'll touch on if anything news, newsworthy happens from that one. But uh, for now, we'll touch on the uh, the three guys that spoke on Friday. That's John Collins, DeAndre Hunter, and Clint Capella. Um, not, again, just as a overarching take here, nothing hugely like earth-shattering from these, as you wouldn't expect. But there's some noteworthy comments, especially with regard to Collins, and we'll start there with John. Uh, he said that it's, quote, definitely a bummer to be left out of the bubble and echo Trey Young's sentiment from earlier in the week about using that as mo- as motivation. The Hawks, sort of to a man, all wanted to play, at least in their public comments, so that's why it's worth noting. Um, Collins was asked about where he made his greatest strides this season, and also what he wants to work on. Uh, he did. He said that consistency was huge for him this year, um, and helping to solidify his game. Also, looking ahead to the future, he said that playmaking is a big focus for him, which, which I thought was pretty interesting, as well as defense, uh, staying in a stance, being locked in on, on that end of the floor at all times. Um, he gave credit for vince carter for helping him maximize his game by setting an example um and when it, when it came to adding the perimeter game to athleticism to his athleticism and all that stuff um there was also uh, plenty on uh off work that he was talking about i think you know as everyone's been talking about this whole time with the hawks they want to do something and uh, he was he's certainly alongside that uh he was asked what he wants the team to add in the offseason, and Colin said they could always use more veterans. He also said the guys that fit the system and could space the floor and play with pace would be what he was looking for. No names, obviously, because guys won't give names, as they shouldn't at this point in time, but there you go on that. He was asked um, how important it is that the team takes a a step forward next season, and Colin said it was, quote, crucial and saying that defense uh, wins championships is something that that I wanted to point out there. He also referred to defense as the ultimate equalizer, which I would agree with. I think the team obviously has to get better defensively. It's been a theme of all the conversations, and uh, John did not shy away from that as a team um he didn't necessarily say that he doesn't like to play center but uh this is not the first time in the world john has talked about his tr- his true position being power forward so it's nice to have capella on board and something that uh, the quote that i uh came back to was quote, size is something that you can't teach, end quote. He used Joel Embiid as an example of a matchup that's obviously difficult for him at his size. I think the Hawks have now uh, pretty clearly identified Collins as a full-time power forward that can play center, but certainly is primarily a power forward, and uh, that was part of the uh, part of the discussion along the way on Friday. Um, he also said he, he believes that he'll be at all-star contention next season, which is not a huge surprise. If he puts up the numbers they did this year, he should, he'll he certainly be right there in the discussion. And um, beyond that, is sort of a headline grabber that You know, I don't make that much of, but it's worth noting that he said that he believes Trey Young and himself are the best young duo in the NBA. Um, It kind of depends on the criteria and all that stuff, but they are very young and very good, so there you go on that. Um, Finally, he got got the big question that you might expect about his contract negotiations uh, as he's up for an extension, potentially, this summer. Um, He says that he, quote, hopes so, end quote on the prospect of whether it will get done along the way. Say he's He did say that it's not really in his control all the way, but he says it's been good hopes and good spirits so far in the discussions. Um, he was asked if he feels like he's worth a max level contract um, along the way there. Colin said that um, pretty plainly, he said, I want to be a Hawk, and that he wants to sign a new deal in Atlanta. He says that he feels like the work that he's put in speaks for itself, and then he again said he's hopeful to, that he can come to an agreement later, he was asked about the prospect of using, of signing a deal now when compared to next summer when he actually hits free agency. And uh, he said pretty candidly, quote, sooner rather than later, end quote, was his preference there. So none of that is a big surprise. Um, I think, you know, it's been pretty clear through back channels and stuff Collins even told on the record that he'd love to do an extension. I'm, I'm sure along the way, the Hawks have their number in mind that they want to offer, maybe that, have that, deba- that dividing line a year early. I've made this point, and we'll talk about it more, as the summer continues, but um, there is sort of a conflicting interest here because if the Hawks want to use his low cap hold, one of the things that um, it's unfortunate for, from John's perspective, but because he was drafted so low in the first round, he has a relatively low cap hold. And if the Hawks want to make the big splash next summer in 21, where there's actually top tier free agents available, um, they would not want to give Collins a big deal ahead of time because then they can't take advantage of his low cap hold. That's something that I think it gets ignored too often. I talked about on, this, on the podcast, so I apologize if I'm repeating myself, Quite a bit here but it's something that i think nationally gets ignored along the way with collins that's a huge domino that's something that hawks would be sacrificing for next summer if they were to give him an extension and as a result of that i think the hawks need to be at least reasonably prudent um for me it does not mean that they, that they, that they don't want to keep him if they don't extend him this summer it's not that easy for me and also it's always worth noting that Um, they can match any offer next summer. So the risk of him getting away is not really there. It's just a situation where you want to prioritize and figure out what you want to do long term. If the Hawks want to use their maximum allowable cap space next summer, part of that could be not, not giving Collins an extension. On the flip side, if he wants to stay around that long and and lock up the security that badly, he might take a discount. And at at some point, there might be a a number in the middle where it makes sense for both sides. But with uh, the way that Collins is talking and the way that his um, representation has sort of leaked in the past, they're going to want a lot of money, as they should, and the Hawks probably have a line in the sand somewhere to draw. So we'll we'll talk about that as we get going here. But there you go on that in terms of what he was able to say. We'll spend less time on Hunter and Capella here, but I want (laughs) to update you guys on what they said. Nothing nothing huge uh, in terms of basketball stuff um hunter gave a uh, pretty on-brand answer when he was asked for one word to describe the season and he just said fun that was the whole quote um for some background Downey's not the most uh, verbose guy in the world he's not always uh, he's i think he's actually pretty pretty good when, when you get when you, when you get him talking but he's not someone that's uh, gonna go out of his way to be you know sort of gregarious and talk a lot so it's pretty funny to hear him do that uh, on the zoom call um, he talked about being more comfortable back to back as the season went along, and he did. He did say that he learned a lot about hydration and getting more rest and recovering to, and recovery time to deal with the long, long season. That rookies that transition has been a talking point between him and Cam Reddish as well on his uh, on his exit interview. Um, Hunter also said that he was comfortable at both forward spots. It's been a big topic of conversation in the offseason so far. Is uh, where's Hunter going to be long term? I don't really worry about it a whole, a whole lot, because um, I think having him be able to play both both the three and the four is actually quite valuable. He said he's basically said the same thing. He said that he'll do whatever the team needs him to do, and uh, I, I wouldn't worry too much about locking him in at one of those spots. There's been that whole uh, discussion that people uh, you know people like to have. I think it's just valuable he can do both. I still stand by that, and we'll stand by that until he can until he proves that he can't do one or the other. Um, the last thing on DeAndre is that, again, I mentioned before, he's, he's a pretty soft-spoken guy in general and doesn't always give, give the longest answers, but I thought his response on the current time in the country and social justice was really impressive. Um, for some background, if you want to go see the full quote from DeAndre, it's it's, it's long, so I don't want to read it to you now, but Kevin Chenard of Hawks.com tweeted out the full quote on Friday. It's definitely worth reading. Um, as some Cliffs notes here, DeAndre said that the, he feels the protests are, quote, the right way to go, end quote, and uh, I'm going to quote him again here, as a community, African Americans just want to be heard, and just want their voice heard, and their communities heard," end quote. Hunter also said that he hopes the protests keep going, he helps people go and vote, and that, quote, hopefully that will lead to change, end quote. Um, I thought he was good with that, so uh, go go check that out. And um, the answer that Kevin Chernard uh, tweeted out on Friday, um, but yeah, I thought you know DeAndre not, nothing huge like news breaking wise, basketball wise, but there you go on that. His was also the shortest of the three on Friday. And finally, Clint Capella, um, injury wise, he said his his foot and his heel are are feeling quote way 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 better end quote, and he feels uh, healed at this point in time. He did qualify that a little bit by saying there's no way to know 100% because he's not been able to play play basketball full tilt so far. But he did say that he can't wait to get out there and play. So he seemed pretty upbeat about the injury stuff. He's been able to do some individual workouts, he said, which is a good sign for the Hawks. Um, He expressed some optimism playing alongside John Collins, saying that they're definitely going to need to play together to to get some reps. But he's played alongside big men at times in the past, which he was quick to point out back to Houston. Also, um, I'm not sure how seriously to take this, but Capella mentioned the uh, mentioned shooting as something that he wants to improve and expand his game on. He says he feels comfortable shooting individually already, and that's something he just has to be able to get comfortable enough to translate to five-on-five play. He's the kind of guy that really has been a complete non-shooter in his career, so we'll see how that goes. You know, The Hawks have been able to have some success in helping guys shoot jump shots. For instance, Dwayne Dedman was a non-shooter and then got to Atlanta and exploded. Now, that's not a situation where you can just rely on that happening all the time, but Capella, at least on the record, here said that he wants to at least try to shoot and we'll see if that happens from the perimeter but uh, he's, he's fortunately good enough without without that shot to have it not be a, a huge sort of pivot point for him but it'd be a nice luxury if he can be able to uh, knock down shots at some point in time. Okay that's a lot of exit interview stuff. Uh, apologies for the lack of audio here. I was actually on my phone. It was during the down Friday, so I made I made lots of notes and uh, I have a recordings, but nothing in terms of uh, audio good enough to play for you guys on those. But hopefully you enjoyed those. For People that have been asking on Twitter those exit interviews are not publicly available. Um, the Hawks could share them if they wanted to. They could, they could post them somewhere. I'm not sure if they're, if they're going to. I know in years past they posted sort of the Periscope link to the live exit interview. This time around they're on Zoom. Uh, people are in their homes, etc. So I'm not sure they're going to post anything like that. But uh, that's just one I, one answer. That question, people are asking me after the last show, and there you go on that. Okay, before we get into the second half of the podcast and some draft talk, a word from the sponsors of today's program. And first, it is hard to find the time to sit down and read and learn more. When you don't have the free time, you can't read or work on personal development. There's an incredible app though that solves that problem. It's one of the ultimate life hacks and I highly recommend it. It's called Blinkist. Blinkist is unique. It works on your phone, your tablet, or your web browser. It takes the best key takeaways from thousands of nonfiction books and brings them down to just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. That is huge for people like you that just want to get to main the main points of a book in a hurry so that you can start using that information right away. And with the audio feature that Blinkist has, it makes it easy to f- finish a book during your commute, your lunch break, or even while you exercise. 12 million people are using Blinkist right now. It has a massive growing library that features all kinds of varied offerings. Blinkist also has the latest titles from bestsellers and the classic nonfiction options that you always meant to read, but you never could find the time to open. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to the entire library, all the books you want, and all for one low price right now for a limited time. Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash MBA to try it free for seven days and save 25% off a new subscription. That's Blinkist spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. Blinkist.com slash NBA to start a seven day free trial. And from there, you'll also save 25% off and only when you sign up at blinkist.com slash NBA. Today's podcast is also sponsored by the good folks at RockAuto.com, which is a family business serving auto parts customers for 20 years. You are going to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers, whether it's for your classic car or your, dra- or your daily driver. RockAuto.com has everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. One reason people choose to repair and maintain their own cars is to save money that could be used for other important things. Why would you choose to spend 30% off, um, 50% or even 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership? Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but at rockauto.com, prices are the same for everybody and they are always the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear. The rockauto.com catalog is also easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specs, and prices that you prefer. Rockauto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or an account login. Again, and best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for pros and do it yourselfers so why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. In setting up the segment that you're about to hear, um, the Locked On Network is deciding to hold a quick, easy mock draft with the delete Eight teams, basically the teams that are not going to the Orlando bubble regardless from this point forward. And uh, we decided to use as a network the order, the draft order that currently stands before the lottery. That means the Hawks have the fourth pick. This was split into a few different episodes for Locked On NBA. So the one you're about to hear here is um, me with the host of the Locked On Knicks and the Locked On Pistons podcast discussing the picks four through six. The Hawks have the fourth pick. Um, just for some context along the way here, the first three picks were already made before we started recording this, and uh, as you'll hear in a moment, they were Anthony Edwards, Lamelo Ball, and Obi Toppin in that order. That puts me on the clock with the Hawks at number four overall. I won't spoil the pick just yet, but uh, there's some context needed in that I've alluded to this before, but there's not really a perfect pick for the Hawks, in my opinion, at number four overall. This is not a no-brainer. I think uh, ultimately for me, I went, be- I basically went best player available here, which you could, de- you could certainly debate. There is not a... Uh, In my opinion, a clear pick if if the order goes this way, and frankly, if the order go, if the Hawks are three, four, five, and uh, obviously that means Edwards and Ball are probably off the board. That that makes things very interesting for the Hawks. So uh, keep that in mind when going through what you're about to hear from me and the other guys. Also, it's worth saying that things are going to change. Obviously, uh, in a hurry when the draft order is actually set in August and when the lottery happens. So uh, keep 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 in mind this is uh, very very early, and the Hawks are not likely to have the fourth pick, frankly. And if they do, it might not be this order. So it's just to be, just for fun, and this is a lock on NBA segment. So keep that in mind as well. But here is the audio that I did there, and uh, please, as always. Check out our sponsors. Check out the podcast. Subscribe to the show. And uh, here, here is the uh, crossover event with the Delete Eight mock draft. All right, and this
1: is Matt Shook of Locked On Pistons, and today we are doing a little bit of a part two of the Delete Eight mock draft. We set up the current lottery order and uh, enlisted some of the other Locked On hosts to help us out. And today, joining us, first off, we got Brad Rowland of Locked On Hawks. Brad, thanks for taking the time.
0: It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, and Alex Wolf of Lockdown Knicks is joining us as well. Alex, thanks for doing this.
2: What's going on? Happy to be here too.
1: Yeah, for sure. So first off, what we're going to do is, all, you know, in, in a separate episode, in a separate uh, Lockdown NBA chop-up that they're doing, the uh, top three picks were made, and the Warriors and the Cavs and the T-Wolves came through for us, and the hosts made their picks. So uh, I'm just going to read off what the the selections were. You know, this is the mock draft. Uh, as it stands obviously we know that the lottery will be coming up in August and we could change the order but we've got a lot of time and a lot of content to fill uh first off Brett how about that how are you guys filling up content on Locked On Hawks and how are the the Atlanta how's the Atlanta fan base kind of handling this
0: delay of basketball it's a little weird quite obviously that everybody is going to be dealing with this so far um the Hawks are doing X interviews this week which has been helpful for me to be sure but uh eventually between that and uh you know, their comments kind of on the record wanting to be in Orlando and their reactions to that. That's going to the well is going to drop a little bit and uh, we'll p- we'll pivot back to the draft a ton. So this is good preparation for that. And uh, the draft, fortunately for me, the draft is like my favorite thing in the world. So spreading out a little bit will be a little bit easier for me. But at the same time, um, doing several months without of unscheduled programming to fill time is not easy for anybody. So uh, we're all just plugging along.
1: Alex, what's the uh, programming plan for lockdown next these last couple months and then looking ahead to, oh, about uh, five, six more months ahead from now?
2: Uh, I mean, you know, it's, it's, there's always, it's like a 24-7 news cycle with the New York Knicks. <laughs> you know, there's never, <laughs> never a lack of things to talk about. Uh-huh. And then when there is, you know, someone makes sure that there's something to talk about always. So, yeah, you know, we've had, we've had plenty, but we've been, you know, we've done a couple mailbags and, you know, whatever else we can come up with. Uh, but there's, I, mean, other than that, you know, other than all the ridiculous stuff that you see pop up in the news and all the various uh, weird stories that come up around the Knicks, they've also had a lot of front office uh, hires and things of that nature. Now they're diving into coaching search, plus we got the draft coming up and all that. So there's, there's been plenty to talk about
1: it. I guess now that I think about it, there's really not much basketball talk with the Knicks, even when basketball is going on, right? So it's kind of, yeah, it it
2: depends. It depends. You know, we find ways to talk about it, but most people don't look at the Knicks, you know, from a, through a basketball lens, even during the basketball season, usually.
1: Yeah. And here we are with several months to prepare for the draft. And I want to do this exercise to see where everyone's head was at. And uh, here's what we got. The Warriors went ahead and picked Anthony Edwards out of Georgia. The Cavs locked on hosts picked LaMelo ball from, well, I guess from Australia and Chino Hills and wherever else Lithuania, uh, Spire Academy, wherever else LaMelo ball is from. And the T-Wolves picked Obi Toppin from Dayton. So, Guys, uh, reactions to these three picks, how much as you're sitting in your war room for the Atlanta Hawks and the New York Knicks, uh, Brad, we'll start with you. How much did those three picks surprise you, screw up your draft board, make you
0: irritated? What's your reaction to those? Uh, I think the uh, Edwards-Ball combination is not a surprise at all at one and two. Um, I I wouldn't assume that that's definitely going to be the order, uh, but it would not surprise anybody, I don't think, if Edwards and Ball went one and two in this draft. So no surprises there. Toppin at three is a little bit of a surprise, Um, but people are high on him around the league, so I'm not like – Stunned by that either. Um, the Hawks are in a weird position if they are actually at four in this draft, as we were this time around. Regardless, um, just because of the positions that they kind of have filled and their sort of team team construct, but uh, nothing out of the ordinary. Too much that messed me up uh, too badly. Um, assuming that the Hawks are actually at four.
2: And Alex, yeah. what do you think? Yeah, I'd say. Uh, I mean, Edwards, I expect to go in the top two. Uh, Lamella Ball again, you know, probably expect to go in the top two as well. Doesn't change the fact that it's heartbreaking that he can't be a Nick, because <laughs> uh, I would it's, say he's the number one guy. Yeah, well, I mean, I would say he's the number one guy on my board, um, especially from a fit perspective. Um, the other thing being, he's he and his dad are telegraphing it that they want to end up on the Knicks somehow. Uh, so, you know, clearly the tactic didn't work and uh, he didn't end up on the Knicks. Toppin, I think, is a bit of a reach, but that's fine for me because I. I don't think I would have necessarily taken him at the Knicks pick anyway. So, although I do, I do think that he could have been a decent fit with Mitchell Robinson potentially. Um, also, the cruel irony of this exercise is that the Knicks are technically the sixth team in the lottery. But I think that they actually have the lowest chances of all their potential landing spots of actually landing at six. Or it's like very wow. close to the lowest. It's kind of funny. I,
1: how does that math work? I have no idea, but we don't have to I, figure that out. I think
2: they have like 8% of actually being the 6th pick, which is very strange. Like, they have a much higher chance of moving down to 7 than staying at 6, but it, it increases their odds of getting a top 3 pick, I guess. So okay, so it's, it's weird.
1: So very little chance that there's no movement and or that one team jumps or whatever how that works. I, I'm not even going to try to pretend to figure it out. But from a Pistons perspective, certainly no surprise on Edwards and Ball going 1-2, as you guys mentioned. I've got a little bit different of a take on this franchise than a lot of the fan base does. And perhaps with the, the Pistons personnel is they don't have a general manager right now. So a little hard to kind of put your finger on that, but we've been spending a lot of this quarantine watching a lot of the bad boys, watching a lot of the going to work, watching the Jordan documentary, thinking about old times and call me old school. But I just feel like this Pistons, franchise kind of needs to reinvent themselves with two-way players I'm not talking about bringing Rick Mahorn back and playing defense and bad boys style but guys that are able to play defense are a prerequisite of the uh of playing for the Pistons and not to say that Anthony Edwards and LaMelo Ball don't have some base of defensive talent that can be drawn upon I'm just watching the film and not liking what I'm seeing from those guys on that end with Obi Toppin I think the third pick is a tough one Uh, as far as the evaluations for uh, what a lot of folks say. uh, It made a lot of sense what Ben uh, made as far as his case for Obi Toppin and the players that the T-Wolves have. They're a little bit different of a position because they have a couple of guys that uh, are, you know, franchise type of players already. So they think of fit more than a a Detroit Pistons team would. But Obi Toppin wouldn't fit with the Pistons. I think they have Blake Griffin. I think they have uh, Christian Wood possibly coming back and then – who are guys who are best suited at the four spot and don't play much defense either so to have another four come in who doesn't play all that much defense long story short if i was the general manager of the pistons that top three couldn't have gone any better is basically how i'll say that but let's go to brad and the locked on hawks with the fourth pick of the draft uh, Who do you got there brad
0: yeah, this was not easy, I will say, given what the Hawks uh, have on their roster and a uh, couple of guys who are fairly entrenched, headlined by Trey Young. But in the end, I uh, decided to go with Killian Hayes, mostly because he's the best player available, in my opinion. Not a perfect fit, uh, and but I don't think there really is a perfect fit for the Hawks in this spot. And uh, I've been pretty clear on my show that I'd be open to trading this pick if I was the Hawks. But if you have to make it, I will go with Killian Hayes.
1: Yeah, certainly a, a backup point guard there for Trey Young. Is there any thought that uh, that they would be able to play pretty well together? Does Trey Young have – or one of these guys you think play off the ball pretty well at some point?
0: Yeah, I think that plays into it. Hayes has pretty decent size. Uh, I, I'd be on the record if I was the Hawks as not taking, like, a small guard uh, anywhere in this in this top half. Like, mm-hmm. early on there was some Cole Anthony stuff. Um, being a potential top five pick, that's kind of cool now. But he would have been the kind of guy that I wouldn't have taken – as the Hawks, but um, both with ball if the Hawks land up uh, if the Hawks land on the top two and with Hayes you have enough size to play alongside Trey Young and honestly um, Trey is really really good off the ball he rarely is off the ball but uh, he's a really good shooter so if you get him moving a little bit Hayes has decent size and actually is a pretty good um, a pretty good off ball defender who has some uh, good awareness on man on the floor I think he'll shoot it eventually as well. Again, not a perfect fit, but I think the combination of having someone who can run the offense when Young is off the floor, was a huge thing the Hawks did not have this year. And then also someone who has the kind of skill set who can play alongside Young, uh, both in the present
2: and the future as well.
1: Alex, what's the mood in the Knicks war room as Killian Hayes flies off the board?
2: Disappointed. Uh, <laughs> definitely, definitely someone that I had my eye on outside of LaMelo Ball. Um, you know, he's... He's shooting up draft boards, I think, right now. I mean, he was generally considered somewhere in the, you know, five to ten range uh, for a long time. And now people have started taking a closer look at his tape and realizing he has a pretty pretty diverse offensive skill set. Um, and he's a really, really good passer, uh, which the Knicks certainly need. Uh, I, I actually think that the Knicks have, you know, at least in Frank Nilekina, a pretty good passing guard, but he's very streaky with sh- – with, you know, shooting and and hitting at a consistent rate and Killian looks like the type that could be like the, you know, potential scoring guard, you know, at the point guard spot that the Knicks haven't been able to wrangle for the last, I don't know, 15, 18, 20 plus years. So uh, yeah, definitely a little bit of disappointment here, but you know, it is what it is. You got to take these things as they come.
1: Yeah, this is the first pick of the draft that kind of hurts here in the Pistons' worm, takes the number two player off of my Pistons' big board and someone that would have been a really tough choice to not pick had he been available at the time that this and this other prospect came out. Uh, Certainly the Pistons need a point guard, and certainly this is a draft where there's a quantity of pretty good point guards out there. Um, But at the end of the day, The Pistons eschew that point guard need again, and it's the fifth pick in the locked on, the lead eight mock draft. The Pistons take Anyeka Okongwu from USC. Now, I know the center position in the NBA is not one that has a whole lot of value. I know if you look at the Pistons roster, you also say this is a team that is devoid of top end talent, and this is a draft where you might be able to find some guys who are boomer bust. Potential players, obviously with Edwards and Lamelo Ball off the board, maybe James Wiseman is that one who there are a lot of people out there who think that it's possible that he could be a star. And I know there's a lot of folks out there who don't like him much as a prospect at all. The case for Inyeko Kongwu is he's a very versatile defensive player. He he's only six foot nine or six foot ten, depending on where you look, but still manages to protect the rim pretty well. Uh, knocks down some free throws at a very high uh, in the seventies at USC is one season. He's still young. So that free throw shooting shows that possibly there's a chance for a little bit of a jump shot potential. Certainly not something you're banking on, but hopefully the player development staff can get to work there. Rim running solid screens uh, rolls to the basket. Well, and uh, high character and is a, a guy who can help turn this culture around as a willing an energized defender and the type of building block this franchise can use as it continues to rebuild. Uh, we have no illusions about the Pistons being a playoff team next season or anything like that. They're going to suffer through another losing season. And maybe in the 2021 draft is where this team can find a star or uh, something close to it as they kind of try to develop uh, develop slowly and get back to playing Detroit Pistons basketball. So center at number five, what do you guys think?
0: I, um, I actually considered Okongwu. He would have been the other guy that I heavily considered um, alongside Hayes. Um, those two were the only guys I had left in a tier. Um, again, neither of those are ideal fits for the Hawks who have pretty big investments in John Collins and Clint Capella, which is um, why they wasn't a, no, wasn't a no-brainer. But I, I really like Okongwu. Uh, I think he is... Um, maybe the safest pick in the entire draft. I wouldn't say he has the highest upside, but I think I am very confident he's going to be a quality NBA player. And in this draft, uh, you can't say that about about that many guys. So uh, I'm okay with the pick for sure. I think the value is pretty good there. He may not, you know, change your entire franchise, but I think he's going to be a good player.
2: Yeah, I uh, I mean, I think for you, for for the Pistons, that's a pretty solid pick given, you know, they just moved on from Andre Drummond. And all that, you know, it's good to try to plug that hole again right away. For me personally, I'm like jumping for joy in one <laughs> sense, and also sort of cringing a little bit because this makes my decision that much harder. Uh, but okama was not someone that would be on my board personally because if if there's one position that the Knicks pretty much have locked down, it's their traditional center role with uh, Mitchell Robinson, already is is set up, hopefully for many years into the future, uh, and you know, he's, he's a defensive stalwart and whatever, and not really a need for the Knicks. So I, you know, I think it's a good pick for the Pistons. Uh, also makes my life harder though, because it leaves me with a lot of options here at the next pick.
1: I'm glad to hear that because I, you know, I'm taking some flack here in Pistons land for it. And, and all, uh, again, I will reiterate Oneko Okongwu is the number one player on my board for the Pistons centric draft board. And and I know that sounds insane to, to probably you guys too, but, uh, Let's go to the number six pick in the delete eight mock draft, the New York Knicks are on the clock.
2: Yeah, this is, this is difficult, as I just alluded to. Um, I gave strong consideration to Tyrese Halliburton. Um, I, don't, I don't know for sure that, like, if you ask me this again in a couple weeks or a month or something, I might change my mind uh, and might go with Halliburton. Um, I also gave, I mean, the Knicks apparently have some interest in Cole Anthony. I'm not hundred percent sold on him myself. Uh, so I'm not totally there with that. There is James Wiseman, who, if you're talking just best player available, you can maybe make a case for it. But again, I'm not, uh, I'm not really drafting that way because I do think that that's, there's no possible way you play him and Mitchell Robinson together. So unless you're looking to trade Robinson, uh, you know, you're not going to go with that. So, I settled on, and this is only if the Knicks would keep this pick, which my personal preference would be to try to trade it, try to find a team that's willing to move up and give up a protected first-round pick in the future uh, for someone that they feel really strongly about to move up, you know, a handful of spots. Because I think there's there's a lot of you know the six to or even you could argue outside of the top three or four picks, there's a lot of you know thin margins between guys all the way down to about 15 um, or even a little bit later. So, but without carrying on much further, uh, I decided to go with Denny Avdia of, uh, Maccabee, Tel Aviv in Israel. Uh, I, I'm not even hundred percent sold on this pick as I'm saying it, but I think from a, from a raw talent perspective, I like what he brings to the table. Um, I think that these sort of playmaking forwards, which is what he projects to be, are sort of the future of the NBA uh, where he's going to be hopefully sort of a tweener, which used to be like a curse word uh, in the NBA, but now is like what everybody wants. They want this forward who's, you know, six, nine or so that can pass the ball that can hopefully spot up and shoot it. Um, that can, you know, work both as a pick and roll guy, you know, as the ball handler or as the, the roll slash pop man. And I think that he, hopefully has that skill set going forward um he's not like a mega elite athlete but he tries hard on defense which is all you can ask for uh he's a good ball handler for his size he's not the fastest guy in the world but you know seems pretty savvy and able to grow that part of his game so I I kind of like that I also like the I feel like there would be some good international energy on the Knicks here with uh, with him, Frank Nalikina, um R.J. Baird, who obviously went to Duke but came up playing in Canada and all that. Um, I think that there's just a, a, a good mentality among this team if you draft a guy like Abdiya, Uh and hopefully that works out. But, again, I think if I was – you know, if I think about this for, like, another month, I might end up taking – Tyrese Halliburton in this scenario if he was available but I I guess we'll see but I think my general sentiment is that because there's so much uncertainty here let someone else take that chance hopefully be able to trade down or trade up uh in the real draft but I I guess we'll see as that comes along for the Knicks
1: I think like you said about the margins being so thin at this point between uh I I don't love a guy at three on my list that much more than I like a guy at nine or ten on my list at that point brad where are you add on denny of dia to the Knicks?
0: yeah i think it's perfectly reasonable i, I you know obviously i the knicks would love to have a playmaking guard a la Lamello or killian hayes but danny does a lot of things well i think it's perfectly reasonable uh, investment in this range and honestly my whole, my whole thought on this draft is it's fairly flat so you want to take the guys who you think is the best player the best fit um, you know not draft I'm not a huge draft for fit guy but at some point in this class the, the, the tiers are so flat that it does make sense to kind of prioritize uh, certain guys based on what you want and Danny checks a lot of boxes he's uh, you know certainly someone who could be a top three four five player overall in this class if things break right and uh, I think he fits pretty well alongside of what uh, of what the Knicks have so uh, no issue whatsoever on this side I, I don't think it's like a grand slam but there aren't a lot of grand slams in this class
1: yeah and obviously coming over from Europe uh, a little bit of a wild card there and that's proven to be sometimes a bit of a boomer bust proposition and I think we can all agree that this is uh, a, a a lower a, a worse than average draft the top end guys uh you know could turn into low range all stars possibly and then after that just a bunch of solid players that you'd like to think have pretty you can you could be pretty pretty sure that Killian Hayes and Yeko Okongwu, Tyrese Halliburton, Devin Vassell, that these guys are going to be pretty good NBA players, whereas Zavdia might be the one guy who can surprise and go into one of those higher tiers if things work out in a best-case scenario for him, given he's got a a lot of offensive talent there. Um, Brad, you mentioned that uh, you were thinking about Okongwu at the the Hayes pick. As you look at the rest of the board and the rest of the guys out there, is there someone that you think – uh, lockdown Hawks might be uh, ruining the day that we passed up this guy of, of a guy that's still on the board there?
0: Um, not necessarily. I, I think there are guys who are better like pure fits with the Hawks than someone like Hayes, who I took or Akangwu, just because of the position stuff. So, uh, you know, Isaac, Isaac Akoro is a local prospect. I think people will, will like him. He went to high school locally and I, and I like him quite a bit. He's definitely more of a, you know, defense first kind of wing. Also Devin Vassell, both those guys are wings. So they're more, more plug and play kind of options. Um, you know, for the Hawks, I'm sure people like why, you know, Wiseman such a split as you referenced earlier. Um, I, the Hawks' Wiseman Buzz kind of evaporated when they traded for Click Capella, but I think there, you could probably find a Hawks fan or two that would still like to have Wiseman as this high upside swing. Um, other than that, there's not there's not a huge glaring guy. Honestly, honestly for me, the the next three guys on my board um, were probably the guys that we just took in three in a row. Um, depending on how you feel about Denny, um, I definitely had you know. Hayes and a Kongwu four and five so I'm comfortable with it although I'm sure um, as you guys know fans will be uh, they'll they'll probably find a way to be upset about somebody.
1: And Alex you already kind of talked about some of the other guys that you were considering at six but really at the end of the day if if the Knicks sit at five or six or seven or even eight or something is they're they're looking to trade up and and package something to get LaMelo Ball right and LaVar is going to make sure that happens somehow right?
2: Well I mean I'm hoping that the Knicks aren't Caving to anything that LeVar Ball says—that would be a pretty bad look for the brand new free, uh, brand new front office that they just installed. If they're uh, taking cues from LeVar Ball as to how to approach their draft, but this is definitely the year that the Knicks have the pieces to push in for a you know a, a trade up in the draft. For once, they have their own pick. They have um, the Clippers pick, which TBD as to where that's going to exactly be. But as of right now, is at twenty seven. Um, I guess we'll see once play resumes where that ends up being, you know, in the the total. But uh, then they also have uh, Charlotte's second round pick. They actually don't have possession of their own. They have Charlotte's, but that's a top 10 second round pick as well. So, yeah, I, you know, as I mentioned already, I think my, my general plan, if I was Leon Rose and the Knicks uh, contingent here would be try to move up for the um, or maybe even Killian if you feel so strongly about him and you can only get up to the third pick or something, um, you know, and you can put together a competitive package to move up those three to five slots or whatever. Uh, and then, you know, if you, if you can't get those guys potentially try to trade down. Um, I wish there was an ideal trade partner, like, like for example, how the Hawks were last year where they had uh, two top 10 picks that were, I think it was eight and nine. Um, you know, something like that would have been perfect in this scenario where if there was a team that had, you know, two picks say right in the late part of the lottery, uh, I would probably try to move down to that. Unfortunately, the only team that really has multiple picks this year is Boston. Uh, and they're all after the lottery. And I don't know if I'd feel comfortable trading back from say six to like 17 and 25 or whatever they end up being, uh, once play resumes, but, uh, yeah, I I don't know for certain. I I do think that this I I will say like the first spot in the Knicks draft gives me a lot more anxiety than the second spot because I feel like in the second spot they're going to have a large amount of players that they can that they can choose from in that 27 range that will hopefully be able to become role players like this seems like a very um deep draft as far as as far as role players go, um, just not high on star power. So I feel pretty good about that 27 pick, the top 10 pick, you know, it, it will probably keep me up at night. Um, just like I said here, where, you know, there's, there's like five, six guys that I could look at and make a case for. And, you know, you just know if one of them works out better than whoever the Knicks end up taking, it's going to haunt them for years to come.
1: And Brad already mentioned uh, the, the Hawks even thinking about trading down as well. So if I'm a Hawks fan or if I'm a Pistons fan, Obviously on lottery night, you're watching where your teams end up, but I would keep a close eye on the Knicks. And if they stay down below that top four and you're a Hawks or a Pistons fan and you get in that top one or two, uh, you might be thinking about, you know, uh, getting uh, Leon Rose on the on the phone there and seeing if you can make that trade happen, especially if you're not convinced. in the star potential for LaMelo Ball obviously doesn't make a lot of sense alongside Trey Young and the Pistons. Uh, certainly there is a point guard need and a star need, but just – my personal opinion is that LaMelo Ball's not uh not a Detroit Piston in the red, white, and blue. But uh just a couple of players I wanted to throw out there as I was considering my pick at number five with Okongwu. I would say the three guys that I was thinking the most of, and uh probably the 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 guy that was on deck or would have been next was been Tyrese Halliburton of Iowa State, we haven't really talked about all that much, but other big guard, good playmaker, uh willing defensive player um as well. He looks like a guy who could be a solid point guard for your, for a team. Uh, came down to Vassal more than a Coro as far as those uh, 2 3 four wing positions. Vassal being a guy who can, uh, you know, 3-and-D, basically uh, the definition of that type of player that could really help out, especially if the Pistons are thinking about moving on from Luke Kennard this offseason, as was rumored at the trade deadline. We'll see how that all shakes out. And then the other player that I was thinking of was actually James Wiseman. And I know that we are all kind of, Uh, maybe shaking our heads at him a little bit but uh, and I was certainly at first but the more and more I think about it the more and more I watch him um, and see those EYBL stats that they had that are pretty translatable sometimes and certainly just the body the the size of him and again I know uh, you don't do a lot these days in the NBA with putting a lot into the center position but certainly a guy with a, with a team like the Pistons who, have, who might need a big shakeup, who might need an, in, an injection in big-time talent, James Wiseman's probably the only guy on the board that had that still at number five that uh, could be out there for the Pistons. But do you guys have any more final thoughts on this draft uh, before we sign off and, and call this uh, an end of this segment here?
0: Uh, I, don't, I don't think so. I mean, I think it's a really interesting draft um in some less than ideal ways I think just the flat nature of it makes it interesting and there's uh fortunately for us a lot to talk about there isn't so many obvious choices along the board um and given that we have to follow this content for several months it's probably good that there are uh, disagreements to be had so it should be fun
2: yeah from a podcast host perspective this draft is fantastic because like last year when the Knicks slotted in at number three it was pretty much okay, RJ Barrett, RJ Barrett, RJ Barrett. Okay, tell me a little bit about Culver. Tell me a little bit about whoever, but mostly RJ Barrett. It's, it's going to be fun this year uh, from the Knicks perspective, at least. Uh, and for you guys as well, I'm sure to have, you know, realistically, I could talk about probably 10 to 15 guys that might realistically have a shot at being Knicks this year, especially prior to the draft lottery. So it's a pretty fun time. Brad
1: Rowland of Lockdown Hawks, Alex Wolf of Lockdown Knicks, and Matt Shook of Lockdown Pistons. Thanks for joining us.